Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. Good morning. Glad you guys are here with us. Uh, Celebrated a birthday yesterday, 55. Double nickel. Can't believe that. It goes really, really quick. So, um, but hey, this morning uh, we're starting this DNA series where we're really getting into the heartbeat of the gospel in the church and really believe that these next eight weeks, as Manny said, are going to be critical for our church. And this morning, I want to talk about this foundation that you see in Acts 2. And in Acts 2, what you have is, this is the the foundation of the church. What happened is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all eyewitness accounts of Jesus, his miraculous coming and birth, his miraculous life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension. And the book of Acts is picking this up, and the the message is continuing, and the gospel is is spreading, and you come into Acts 1, and Jesus leaves, and the disciples are all in the upper room, 120 of them, waiting kind of fearfully and with anxiety, and the Holy Spirit comes on them, and Peter stands up in Jerusalem in front of thousands of people begins to preach this message that we're going to look at today that becomes the foundation for all the rest of what you see in the book of Acts and the foundation of the early church. And it's, and it's the thing that I want us to understand today is at the core of the gospel is this invitation to life change, to new life. And so we're going we're gonna to look at this because what happens in Acts 2, again, sets the stage for everything that you'll see throughout the rest of the book of Acts, everything that you'll see through the end of the New Testament, and then all the way through church history. So we're going to start here, and we're going to look in Acts 2, Peter's preaching. We're just going to look at a few passages of Scripture here because the first thing I want us to, to grab out of this is this idea that we need to recognize the truth of who Jesus is. We need to recognize this. So starting in Acts 2, verse 22, Peter preaching, he says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. So he's appealing. It's interesting that the the book of Acts was written by Luke, the physician, who also wrote the book of Luke. And at the beginning of the book of Luke, Luke starts out the gospel of Luke by using these words like, hey, I went to give an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that I'm telling you. 
This isn't just a fun exercise, guys. This is, this is, this is real. Jesus was real. And Luke says that. Luke says that there, these were eyewitness accounts. I sought out to investigate and to give an orderly account of this. So look what he goes on to say. As you yourselves know, this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He goes on to say in verse 29 through 32, again, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, David, seeing what was to come, spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. So he's laying this foundation, guys, that Jesus is the cornerstone of everything. He's the cornerstone of our faith, everything that we do. But, but it's going to shift here as we continue to read. Watch what Peter says in Acts 2, 36. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. God has made this Jesus. There's lots of false Jesus, false ways, false gospels. He says, hey, God has made this Jesus both Lord and Messiah. Something's going to happen here to these people, these thousands of Israelites who were in Jerusalem that day. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They're cut to the heart. You have to, you have to jump into this story, this narrative, what's happened. I mean, Peter's preaching Jesus. He's preaching the sinless life of Jesus. He's preaching the crucifixion of Jesus. He's preaching the, the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And he says, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. They were cut to the heart. That's conviction. That's conviction. This world today needs to see a church that has conviction. Come on. Do we, do we walk in conviction? That's the language you're seeing from Peter here. So they were, they were cut to the heart. And they said, what shall we do? And what did 
Peter tell them? Did Peter tell them, walk an aisle, check a box, raise a hand? What did, what did he tell them to do? Because this becomes the foundation for life change for these people and throughout the book of Acts and throughout the entire history of the church. He tells them, he says, okay, they were cut to the heart. What do we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves, salvation, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the birth of the early church. Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost, preaching Jesus, people being convicted, cut to the heart that they weren't right with God. Come on. You have to have conviction first and recognize where you are and who he is and what he's offering to you before you can appreciate what he did on the cross. Come on. Years ago, I watched a Harrison Ford movie called Presumed Innocent where Harrison Ford's wife ended up being the one that killed this other person, his mistress, and, and the whole time. They, and I said, we have a generation of people that are just walking around presumed innocent. And going, wait, until, until it becomes real in your life? No, I need a Savior. I need Jesus. So he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So guys, I want to spend the most part of my time on baptism because we have five people being baptized tonight. So he tells them first, repent. Repentance is a foundational doctrine of the entire Bible. It's all the way from the Old Testament, all the way through the book of Revelation, Jesus' first words when he came was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. First words. Repentance is where we do an about face. We do a 180. It means to turn. To repent means to turn primarily from two things. One, we were going one way towards the world desiring the things of the world. Repent means to turn around and go back towards God. But repentance also means stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting in your own righteousness. So you have, we, all of us have to repent and turn back to God and stop trusting in ourself. So Peter tells them, repent. And then he says, be baptized. Here's the thing, guys. 
throughout the entire book of Acts, there's nine conversion accounts mentioned in the book of Acts. Paul was saved. Cornelius and his household was saved in Acts 10. Lydia and her household was saved. The jailer and his household was saved. The believers in Ephesus in Acts 19. You can go through the book of Acts, the, the eunuch that on the chariot was reading the book of Isaiah, and here comes Philip the evangelist and asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no, I don't. Is this dude talking about himself or someone else? This being led like a lamb to the slaughter. So at that point, he explained Jesus to him. He says, what prohibits me from being baptized? Nothing. They stopped the chariot, went down, and he baptized him. Every conversion account in the book of Acts, all nine, starting here in Acts 2, have baptism. Jesus himself was baptized. Jesus said in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all things I've commanded and long with you to the end of the age. Okay, so why? Why Did, does, does God just want us jumping through hoops? What, why does he, why? And here's the thing that I want you to, to get at this particular point. So first of all, guys, recognize. Second of all is for the gospel to become real in our lives, we actually have to respond Come on. When God puts something clear in front of us and we fail to take that step, many times we stay in the same place and God just keeps coming. The children of Israel wandered the same mountain in Deuteronomy 1 for 40 years. So here... They are recognized, but guys, there has to be a response. If you read it closely, he says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They heard the message, they mixed it with faith, but they actually took steps of action. If I was sitting here with a million dollars because I won the recent lottery, I didn't win. But if I was sitting here with a million dollars and I was going to give it to you, it doesn't become yours until you take it. You have to, you have to reach out and take it. Other, that's called receiving. So why? Why are we called to be baptized? Just going to give you four quick reasons why. Number one, it's the public identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was publicly crucified for us, and we publicly stand for him. It's public. We are publicly identifying with him. Second reason why we're called to be baptized is 
In the book of Romans, chapter 6, you have the Apostle Paul writing again, and he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What was happening with these believers in Rome was that they had heard about the grace of God, and they thought it was so good, they said, so can we just keep doing whatever we want to do, and God's going to forgive us? And Paul's going, you're missing the point. (laughs) Sin destroys. (laughs) Sin wrecks. No, no. The good news is you don't have to be subject to sin anymore. You don't have to be in bondage to sin. But Paul goes on to say that Do you not know that those of you who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? That just as Christ was buried and raised from the dead, that you too can walk in newness of life. So baptism not only is the public identification of our walk with God, but it's also this burial of the old nature and the old man that we don't have to carry around our sin and our past anymore. Movie years ago with Robert De Niro called Pentance and he had killed this person and they made him carry this person with him until this person's death got into him And what Christ does in baptism, it says in Colossians 2, that he does a circumcision made without hands, cutting away the sinful nature, cutting away the past. I don't know about you, but when I heard the gospel at 23 years of age, I had a past. I had lots of things that I was carrying, like Manny talked about today, shame, guilt, all these things that were there. Not only that, the Bible says that each of us have what's called a sin nature. Ephesians 2 gives this most incredible portion of like distilled down gospel and it says, it says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God made you alive together. It is not by works that you are saved, but is by grace through faith. But it says that by nature, we were children of, all of us have a sin nature. All of us had, had a sin. My sin nature was to be selfish, to be prideful, to be deceptive, to be lustful. (laughs) That was my sin. But the good news is, is that when we come to Christ, he wants to give us a new nature. He does this supernaturally. where He changes us from the inside out. That's the whole thing in the Old Testament. They kept looking at the outside. 
change, wash the cups, do this, do this. And Jesus kept saying, and Ezekiel kept saying, and Jeremiah kept saying in the Old Testament, no, 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 no. There will come a time when God will change you in your heart. He will change you from the inside. Come on. This is good news. Wow. Man, you scared me. Gives us a new nature. Come on. I got to the place where I was so fed up with my sin nature. I wanted to change. God, help me be different. Help. God, I don't want to keep doing the things that I'm doing. Guys, here's the thing. Is there, is there something magical about the water? No. It's what God does in and through it that's powerful. Was there anything magical in the Old Testament when Naaman, who had leprosy, came to Elisha's house and said, I hear that there's a God in Israel that can heal me and change me. Is there anything magical about the Jordan River that he told him to go dip in? No. Naaman said, there are better rivers in Syria. What happened? God wanted to use that place to do something supernatural in Naaman. And Naaman just had to trust and believe and step into it. And when he washed seven times and he came out of the water, it says he was healed. There's something in baptism. It's a public identification, but there's something where it says in Romans 6 that just as Christ was buried, the old self, the old man, and, and he came up in newness of life. You too, when you're baptized, your old nature, your past is buried, and you can come up in newness of life. Come on, the only way I could explain this after I was baptized at 23, I was trying to explain it to a friend of mine, and I said, the only thing I can tell you, and this is going to sound so ridiculous, is that God handed me an Etch-A-Sketch when I was seven or eight years old, and I started writing on it, and I got to 22, and I looked, and I said, I don't like the picture, but it's too late. It's in ink. And then somebody preached the gospel to me, and they said, because of what Jesus did on the cross, your Etch-A-Sketch can be erased. And I'm like, so this horrible picture that I have here, that I don't like, that I was careless with, this horrible picture, are you telling me that it can do this? And he said, yes. And, and God did. The day I got baptized and came out of the water, the old Dave Jamerson died. And the new Dave Jamerson came out of that water with a new nature, a heart that wanted to know God, that wanted to be honest, that wanted to follow God. And then they handed me back to Etch-A-Sketch. And I said, okay, this time I'm going to draw more carefully. 
okay, God, I don't want my picture 10 years from now to be a wreck. God, let me draw according to your plan. Let me be careful to, to follow you. It's a public identification. It's a burial of the past, the old man, the old nature, a new nature. It's a circumcision made without hands, Colossians 2 said, where God cuts away the sinful nature. And then last, and this is to me one of the most powerful. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul's writing and he says this weird thing. He says, do you not know that all of you were baptized, talking about Israel, were baptized into Moses at the Red Sea. He's, he's showing us something. Because here's the thing that we have to understand. Is that Israel in the Old Testament... Is, is a forerunner for us. They're a picture for us. And for years, they were in bondage in Egypt. They were under hard task masters. And God didn't want them to stay in bondage. God wanted them to walk in freedom. So God sends Moses to miraculously said, Moses is a type and shadow of Jesus. Jesus is a deliverer. That's what Isaiah 61 says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has sent me to open the prison door to those who are bound, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, uh, to deliver those in bondage. So, so, Egypt is a type and shadow of the world. Moses is a type and shadow of Christ. Pharaoh is a type and shadow of the devil who doesn't want to let you go. So God raises up Moses. Moses comes in supernaturally. The people get set free. They're on their way to the promised land. And guess who is pursuing them? Egypt, their past, is pursuing them. And what does Egypt want to do? Pull them right back into bondage and slavery. And what did God do? God opened up the Red Sea, a type and picture of water baptism, opened up the Red Sea, the children of Israel went through their enemies, rage, anger, divorce, addiction, bankruptcy, every, everything that, that you have, many of you, in you. The sin nature, curses coming to pull you away from God, to break up your marriage, to destroy your children. To, they're all pursuing and God goes, Whoosh. and then says, these enemies you will never see again. They were extinguished like a wick. Never. Listen, when I came to Christ, 
There were generational curses. There were patterns of sin in my life that wanted to pull me back away from God into sin. Da, 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 da. The waters of baptism, God says, you're free and you have a new identity. Because the first thing he says to them when they get, you're no longer slaves. You're my people. You're free. Come on. Why? Why did Peter say, repent and be baptized? You'll receive the Holy Spirit. Because God has something in that. I was talking to a couple of the young men who were getting baptized today, and I said, guys, is there anything magical about a wedding ceremony where you stand in front of a pastor or someone and you make your vows to your wife with your family there, is there anything magical that's going to guarantee that this marriage is not going to break up? No. Is it important? Yes. Why? Because it formalizes the agreement. Baptism is a public identification with Jesus. It's a burial of the old man, a burial of the past, a burial of the old nature that we can come up in newness of life. I wanted that. It's a circumcision made without hands. Peter says it's the pledge of a clean conscience toward God. And 1 Corinthians 10 says that gives us this picture that it's freedom. It's freedom. The gospel is free, but we have to respond to it. We have to respond to it. So guys, this afternoon, 5.30, we have five people who are responding. Listen, you want to talk about DNA? This is DNA. What is, what is Jesus passionate about? People. What is Jesus passionate about? Life change. What is Jesus passionate about? Freedom. What is Jesus passionate about? New beginnings. Guys, this is the first time in history that we've actually preached on, on baptism. Here's the thing. I just want you to see the last thing. There's nowhere in Scripture... You can look at the examples of potentially and read into it of people says their whole household were saved. It's always repent, believe, and be baptized. Because salvation is not something that's done to you. It's not something that your parents can decide for you. It's you yourself having a revelation of who Jesus is, hearing the good news and the invitation of new life and salvation and forgiveness and responding to it because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that with the heart one believes and with the mouth one confesses. Salvation is not, not something, again, that a grandparent or a parent can decide for you when you're one year old. 
They can dedicate you, but they can't make that decision because biblical salvation is always your own decision. I decide to believe. I decide to trust. I decide to repent and turn and put my faith in Christ. And my outward expression of that, my, the evidence of that is water baptism. There's no place in the New Testament where salvation was done to you. It's done for you, but you have to respond. Have the worship team come up. God, it's, it's an invitation. I felt compelled to preach on this after meeting with several of the young men who were, I said, you know what, I've never actually just really just focused on this in the church. I know a lot of you have been baptized. It's not, not putting out there, you know, oh, hey, you need to be rebaptized. But some of you haven't taken that step. Some of you haven't. And God is inviting you to take that next step with him. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the life that you lived. I thank you for the death that you died. I thank you for the new life you purchased for us. Thank you for, that you, you can change us from the inside. I thank you that you can give us a new nature. You can free us from every enemy, every bondage, every curse, every pattern of sin in our life because of what you did on the cross we thank you for that thank you for the five people tonight that are going to receive you receive your grace receive freedom thank you for the privilege it is to pastor Thank you for the privilege it is to preach and communicate your gospel. God, we pray that if there's anyone here that, that really hasn't taken that step, that, God, you would move on their hearts even this morning. God, let them take steps of faith, ask questions if need be. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.